0: Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about the new Fast and Furious film, kinda? It's the Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, the new Dwayne the Rock Johnson action films, also starring Jason Statham. We're also going to talk about the new Netflix original film, The Red Sea Diving Resort, starring our man Captain America, Chris Evans, and his desperate attempt to stop being Captain America in films. We're going to go over some (laughs) trailers that are coming out soon. And I'm excited to talk about them because it's a great trailer park this week. And before we get to all of that, we need to talk about the news. Our first story on the docket, Christopher Nolan's next movie, Tenet, secretly debuts a trailer ahead of Hobbs and Shaw. This was big news. And I was out of town last week, so I didn't get to really read anything about it. Andy, what do you know?
1: Um, Well, this kind of, you know, it took everyone by surprise. There was no announcement, no no poster. It it seems these days there's like a three-week, run up to a trailer you know you'll see a behind the set scene photo and then you'll see a poster and then you finally get a teaser for the tra- for the trailer and then you finally uh none of that uh, it came out surprise on thursday night um, and i had the pleasure of seeing it um when i saw Hobbs and shaw on saturday morning uh so are we describing the trailer we seen what we saw well, funny
0: story, I haven't quite seen all of it, so <laughs> if you want to describe it, please feel free uh, for the rest of us, but as, as far as I know, has this hit the internet yet, or is it not out it, yet?
1: It, it has not uh, officially, um, uh, who knows why, I mean, part of the secrecy, part of the fun, uh, I'll, I'll describe it a, a little bit. We don't see a lot, it's only about 40 seconds long, um, but we basically see a very long shot of a bullet hole in uh, kind of protective glass or like bulletproof style glass um, with smoke coming out of it. And then we slowly see uh, John David Washington's character come up into focus. This takes like 10, 15 seconds. It's a long, we see this shot kind of repeated and then um there's title cards that says it's time for a new mission. It's time for a new protagonist. And then at the very end of the trailer, we kind of see some flashes of like police style stuff, uh, SWAT team, this, that. that like, you don't see a lot. It's all in flashes, but it's got that Christopher Nolan style of, you know, he films on 35 millimeter, or in this case, I think he's filmed in IMAX, but he films on film. He does not film digitally. So you, you just get that real kind of exciting. What is this about? I don't know, but I'm on board.
0: You know what excites me the most about this? Besides the fact that, again, I didn't see it. I had to go to the bathroom before Hobbs and Shaw, and I missed it. It's fine. Uh, What excites me the most about this is I feel like Nolan is one of the last great classic filmmakers, you know what I mean? Just like Tarantino. Like, a Nolan film gets announced, and everybody's excited about it. What's it gonna be like? What's gonna happen? And then you go see it, and it's super long, and you get super into it, and it's really engaging and in-depth and original, and, like, it just doesn't happen a whole lot anymore. Nowadays, it's sequels and derived films, and it's something you can, like, expect and is is, is really easy to stomach. Like, I, I, I'm i excited about a new Nolan film. I'm particularly excited about this why is it a big surprise that this teaser came out in front of Hobbs and Shaw? Cuz I've got hot takes, but I'm curious if you have one.
1: I mean, it's it's just a, again, it's a surprise. It's like when Beyonce drops an album unannounced, you know, when when a titan of entertainment does something especially unannounced, it makes waves um in a in a bigger way than if it hadn't. Because it, it, it you know, it helps some marketing, it helps people maybe go and see the movie they wouldn't have just to see um the the teaser i definitely did that for i think it was the dark knight rises was playing before one of the harry potter films um and i could i could have cared less about the harry potter film but i was definitely (laughs) going to go see and see see that trailer
0: someday we'll do a harry potter retrospective on off script no i know what you mean and i feel the same way in fact uh i want to talk more about the trailers that just ran in front of hobbs and shaw in general Because there are some really good ones, and I want to talk about that. We should probably save that either for a review or for when we talk about trailers more. Uh, in our middle segment here, so we'll move on. Our next story, light, light news week this week. Hobbs and Shaw revs to $61 million in the US and $181 million globally. So before we talk about the film proper, the Fast and Furious spinoff, teaming Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham, won the weekend race, uh, but came in kind of modest as far as expectations are concerned. People really thought this was going to be a huge smash, and that's a ton of money, but like Lion King made way more.
1: So what does this mean? Uh, well, it means that the the spinoff uh, does it does have potential. It does have legs. It's not near as profitable as the the main Fast and Furious uh, series, but that's that's to be expected with a spinoff film. But it, it does show that maybe they don't have the quite the drawing power uh, the Rock and Jason Statham as they thought they they might.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's worth mentioning before we say that this was light as far as original films go. It, it's really not. $61 million is the most Dwayne Johnson's ever made on a film outside of the Fast and Furious films proper. I think the same thing for Them. It's the biggest domestic opening of the summer that's not a Disney movie and or superhero film, and it beat out John Wick Chapter 3. So as far as relatively original action films go, this one did pretty good, it's nothing to scoff at, and and I think that's worth mentioning, but it, it is a little bit of a surprise to me that it underperformed, even with the trailer that I thought looked terrible, and I think maybe that's what really hurt it, an original trailer that made it look like a, a goofy action comedy, and it didn't have a whole lot of people taking it very seriously, it was, it was practically eye-rolling, at least for me, Do you get that?
1: Um, I, I'm not sure how much the trailer did or didn't have because I had the opposite effect. The trailer is what got me <laughs> wanting to see it because it yeah. looked so ridiculous, so much like a video game. Um, I, I I think it probably says a lot for the future of these spinoffs. You know, similarly to you know a Star Wars story that that lasted a whole two films and then they abandoned that that kind of approach. Um, so if these spinoffs don't make more, I don't. They probably won't do a whole lot more of uh, you know Fast and Furious presents. In its second week, it's worth
0: mentioning, uh, or in its third week, The Lion King uh, came in second at the box office with $38.2 million, which is still more than half this movie made in its original, and that's the third week it's out. And Quentin Tarantino's new film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which we talked about last week, dropped to slot number three. Now, I know this shouldn't be a number-counting box office show, and I don't mean for it to be, but, like, man, I can't help but be bummed that, like, the new Tarantino film is still behind The Lion King and is now behind a big blockbuster action film. I don't know. How you, I don't know if you feel the same way.
1: I mean, I've, I've read a whole lot of, um, articles and listen to podcasts that have talked about Tarantino being one of the last, uh, you know, real filmmakers because the thing that, that unseated it or the, the week that it came out, what was number one, the lion King, yeah. a, a completely CGI remake of a film we've already seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's not it's not looking great in a lot of ways
0: yeah that's kind of a bummer but i guess it is what it is i agree uh definitely feels like something has changed right there's there's something in the wind in 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 cinema and uh for what it's worth the fast and furious seems to be the new hotness and maybe for good reason we should probably talk about the film proper andy you've graciously agreed to take the summary for this film please
1: take it away fast and furious presents hobbs and shaw uh, so I'm going to be upfront <laughs> about this. So I have n- am not familiar with this series at all. I have not followed it since uh, actually I saw the first two, like Fast and Furious One and Two, oh, in God. theaters, and <laughs> then I think I've seen one or two of the in inter. Like you, you can't follow them. Like, I've they, seen they
0: ha- I've seen at least the first four. I don't know if I ever saw five, six. And I think there's a seventh one out. Yeah, yeah. I, I I got lost in there.
1: Yeah, so I don't know anything about these characters there seems to be a lot of backstory that that is referred to or that is relevant um i don't know about any of that <laughs> unfortunately but what i do know is that the main premise is that uh lawman luke hobbs and t- is forced to team up team up with uh, jason statham as both kind of uh, mercenaries that work outside of the, the law for the good of saving the world um they have to rescue uh Jason Statham's sister, Vanessa Kirby, um, who's got her hands on this uh, lethal virus that is the secret corporation has created, and they have the super soldier played by Idris El- Elba uh, with this character named Brixton, who again has some backstory as as well, which is, is hard to kind of piece together. But that's that's It's basically Mission Impossible two, uh, right. <laughs> um, with with a lot of action, and that's. It, I mean, we, we have tons of ridiculous action, car chases, fight scenes, shoot-em-ups, gadgets. It's uh, James Bond, Mission Impossible, uh, all kind of thrown into one.
0: Uh, it's funny that you compare it to Mission Impossible too, because I was also going to compare it to an older action sequel. Uh, and I'll get to that when we talk about the plot. But uh, for what it's worth, I, I did kind of enjoy what this movie was putting out. For, like, the first 90 minutes. It felt a little long for me. I don't know if you felt that way. But it's worth mentioning that, like, having not seen the Fast and Furious films does not prevent you from getting into this one. There's definitely some backstory that's talked about in there for, like, the true fans who have stuck with it for seven movies or however many it's been. But, like, going in fresh... It's still enjoyable, and that's worth mentioning, despite the "Fast and Furious" presents in front of the title. Uh, where do we attack this first, Andy? What's the best place to start talking about this?
1: Uh, well, let me finish my, my thoughts. Uh, sorry, I didn't. That's a fine my, place. Yeah, let's give, go. Give my brief summary. Uh, so, it is very enjoyable. It it is exactly what you sign up for. It's a big, dumb shoot them up, fight him up, blow them up, uh, action sequel summer. And it does a lot of things right that I expect from this film that th- things like men in black international failed at. It failed to be an action piece that was entertaining, but this was, this is what, you know, when I sign go to this kind of film, this is what you're going to get. It is a little bit too long. Um, and again, the backstory stuff kind of, hurts it a little bit but I've also from what I understand that they kind of want you to forget a lot of the backstory because apparently some characters a lot of what they've done is like betray or like murder members of like the family or someone related and they want to just kind of forget that so they can be buddy buddy um but I aside from the length, I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the treatment of Vanessa Kirby. Uh, she's as much an action star in this as The Rock and Jason Statham. She, you know, she she does a lot of shooting. She does a lot of uh, fighting, um, and it def- I didn't expect her character to be treated like this because they're generally not. Uh, usually, you would she would just be eye candy and have you know throw throw a couple of punches. But she has a lot of action scenes, so it's it's really different. Um, so yeah, for the most part, I enjoyed it. Alright, so let's start talking
0: about kind of the basic plot. I know you set it up just fine, but like you said, we've got our buddy cops, right? We have the monstrous Dwayne Johnson uh, as as Hobbs, and we have our very thin and wispy and and agile... Jason Statham as Shaw, and we've got our Vanessa Kirby as the woman in the middle who they're trying to uh, save, right? That's that's kind of our basic thing. And we've got Idris Elba, who is self-described in the film as the bad guy and or black Superman, who is trying to stop them. That's really kind of the core of it. There's, there's, there's a whole thing in the middle with a virus that will destroy the world or whatever if they don't stop it in 72 hours. But, like, who really? I mean, it's just... It's just some kind of vehicle to get these characters to run into each other with a lot of explosions in between. And for what it's worth, it works, right? Like it's, yeah. uh, it 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 works. But like I said, it, it felt a little long. It's it's a little it's a little much for at two hours, almost two and a half hours.
1: Yeah, it, it, it is, and it's hard to keep up that kind of pace, that kind of, uh, and it and it definitely drags. And I I did appreciate though, it does make an effort to really, uh. Not flesh out the characters so much, but it does spend a lot of time on people talking about you getting to know these different personalities. So it's not just because otherwise it would be a 90 minute movie. So it, it gets you to kind of understand, gets you to care a little bit more. There's a lot of good jokes um, at everyone's expense.
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny watching it. The movie I kept thinking of, and this is a much lesser film, but I kept thinking of Terminator 2. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Terminator 2 Judgment Day, a James Cameron film, but uh, in Terminator 2, right, you've got uh, the, T, the T-2000, whatever, the bad guy who's like liquid metal and has the power of Skynet behind him. You've got our hulking Terminator. You've got Sarah Connor, uh, who's trying to save her son and relative, John Connor. This is basically the same film. You've got Idris Elba as the T-2000, right? Who's this big, ripped, machine man, ultimate weapon, whatever, who's got the power of Skynet behind him. You've got Arnie, played by uh, (laughs) Dwayne Johnson. You've got Sarah Connor, played brilliantly by Jason Statham, who's got a bunch of guns, but is ultimately kind kind of wispy, you know, can't really hold up, but very knowledgeable. And you've got John Connor, played by Vanessa Kirby, who is the thing that, yeah, uh, uh, the T-2000 is chasing after. Very funny how that works out. And and uh, Terminator 2 had a lot about what does it mean to have meaning and humanity versus machines. And this kind of has that too tacked in on the end, but it's by no means a main theme. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know if... You probably didn't make that connection, but that was all I could kind of think about. I was like, this reminds me of Terminator 2, but in a lesser, but more action-packed, explosive way.
1: Yeah, I th- at some point, I think someone actually says we're being chased by the Terminator...
0: Right. He, he does. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what really got me going on it. Um, so yeah, I go ahead.
1: Um, yeah, well, uh, speaking of that, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, Idris Elba's character Brixton. He's, uh, you know, s- cybernetically enhanced, genetically enhanced super soldier and he's like super strong and he's super fat. I mean, this franchise is literally just turned into a comic book property at this point, um, and some of the yeah. stunts they do are are really impressive. Some of them are so ridiculous. There's this whole thing, and if it's in one of the trailers where, you know, they're sliding under a couple of car of trucks that are passing each other, eighteen wheelers, and Brixton does it as well with his motorcycle, which which is like a transformer, by the way because he can like shapeshift his motorcycle under this thing and slide it around and sling it around and it literally has <laughs> transformer sounds. It's like yeah, it's to like, it. it
0: really does. Yeah,
1: um, and, and it's so ridiculous, It's so over the top, but that's why this works. It's what makes it the entertaining.
0: Yeah, I they definitely ramp everything up to eleven and they throw realism out the window, pretty much at any point in service of bigger explosions. I I, I audibly laughed in the theater uh the first explosion in the film somebody shoots a shotgun through a door lock to like blow the lock open and it looks like the room explodes it's like so <laughs> absurd and that's the, that's the first 10 seconds of the movie and like the whole thing goes that way if Dwayne Dwayne Johnson needs to jump off the side of the building he just grabs a metal cable and slides down with his hand like just don't yeah. don't, don't bother thinking one you can't do that and two your hand would burn off like it's it's just don't don't think that far ahead and usually the dialogue is in service of that it's snappy and pretty funny as these two kind of throw insults at each other, Jason Satham and Dwayne Johnson, but um, it's also real corny right when it needs to be corny. You know what I mean? Like they, they're not afraid to throw out this like love you, bro kind of attitude towards yeah. the end of the film, um, which I mean is, is give or take you either, you're either into that or you're not. What do you think about that? Uh, <laughs> the, the dialogue
1: it, it's, it's like the three Stooges here like because they're they're insulting each other the entire time a lot a lot of the jokes land some of them don't some of them make you roll your eyes but it is a kind of thing you know is gonna go over well in a large crowd um, and there there's there are some really pretty funny jokes uh, there's a particular gag about uh, disguises and fake names that kind of pops up a couple times which is really pretty funny uh, there's a couple of surprise cameos which I, I won't ruin um, but that also add to the kind of humor and and uh, entertainment of it all. Yeah,
0: I, I surprise came was that I didn't know were surprises until I started watching the credits in the end, and I was like, oh, I wasn't supposed to expect these people because they're not listed. So that was kind of interesting. Um, but I guess I appreciated them. They were they were usually for comedic effect, I think, as usually when these characters were used. And for what it's worth, keep an eye out. You'll probably enjoy when they pop up on screen. Uh, you mentioned Vanessa Kirby Kirby earlier, and I wanted to swing that back around. She's great this movie she's she really puts it in and goes for it and and i think it shows um uh you also mentioned the audience experience and there weren't a whole lot of people in my theater but there were definitely some kids who were sitting in the front row cheering the whole way those kids were all about this movie and ultimately i think that's really the target audience for this is right it really felt like it was made for
1: kids i mean it's, it's it's the evolution of of michael bay essentially um you know michael bay used to say you know, I make I make movies for seventeen-year-olds uh, to be excited about. So, luckily, we've gone past a lot of that because a lot of his films are actually really pretty sexist and problematic in a lot of ways. So, this is definitely um, updated. And like you said, Vanessa Kirby has uh, a whole lot of agency, and she's real tough, and she fights, and she she's an integral part of the story. Uh, but yeah, we get a, a bunch of ridiculous uh, comic book level explosions and you know the physics defying stunts at one point the the rock is literally like holding a helicopter by a chain like (laughs) like he's captain america
0: (laughs) it's yeah it's a ripoff right out of the avengers when captain when captain america is holding a helicopter to a building right it's it's the same shot and it's also worth mentioning while we're talking about the avengers um idris elba definitely has like tony stark helmet cam in this movie He's got oh, a yeah. motorcycle helmet that's all like rigged up with like cool technology or whatever, and there's scenes it cuts to of inside the helmet, and it is right out of the Avengers. Like it, it is Tony Stark cam when when it shows inside the Iron Man
1: helmet. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and it, a, a his, in his motorcycle. In addition to being a transformer, is also like. It just kind of shows up whenever it needs to. It's like completely remote control as if it were, again, a Transformer, which is, is pretty. It makes me chuckle because it's so ridiculous. But that that's why you go to the, to the movie. That's why you go to see something like this. And again, it's why it's what was lacking from things like Godzilla, King of the Monsters and Men in Black International.
0: Being that the action is the main draw of this, because I think you're totally right. Let's talk about that for a second because we haven't. As far as the fight scenes and stuff go, the choreography is fantastic. It's a lot of quick cuts, which is exactly what you expect, but it's really well shot. Like I think it really goes to show that even if you have a goofy plot, if you throw enough money at an action film... The action will be great regardless. The CGI is tremendous. The set pieces are good. Like, every car chase and fight scene is in a cool place with some kind of cool element, you know? Some kind of something thrown in. Like, somebody's got a flamethrower or a chainsaw or something. Or helicopter versus car. Like, that all was really neat. But again, it, it, it really, <laughs> it was just, it was too much. <laughs> too much of it for me. Like after ninety minutes, I was like exhausted. I was like, I'm ready to punch out on this. Roll of credits, and it just keeps going. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it definitely goes on a little bit too too long, and it ha- it has to it can't keep up that pace, and so it has to die down. And so when you're in Act Three and you're slowing down, it kind of hurt hurts the the pace of the film.
0: It does, uh, and something that I think really tried to help move it along was the comedy, right, and the writing. Uh, mm-hmm. The cameos were a nice touch, but yeah. By the time I got to the third act, I was, I was out. I was like, I, I'm checking my watch, get up, go to the bathroom. Like I was, I, I was totally punched out by the end of it. But ultimately, not too shabby. And we know this is a Fast and Furious presents film. That's obviously a franchise, so it seems pretty clear that they would probably try to make another one of these. Uh, I'm curious, would you go see another one? Would you go see Hobbs and Shaw too? You think? I would. I, I probably
1: would if if I saw a trailer with more ridiculous, unbelievable over the top video game, GTA style action, <laughs> cause that's yeah. what, that's what drew me in was this like, this is so ridiculous. I just have to see it. Um, you know, and the, so I'm, of course, remembering all these things the last minute. There's a couple of nods to Jason Statham's filmography
0: that yeah. were really, strange. definitely. There,
1: there's a nod to the Italian job from 2003 <laughs> and snatch from 1997. I, don't, um, I didn't
0: catch the snatch one but I definitely remembered Italian job that's still there, not like a sort there's
1: a line about uh Shiatsu massage and it's directly from a line he says in in snatch gotcha um but yeah it was a strange thing but, but like Jason Statham, he, he's the car guy like this is part of what defines his character he's the car guy like he he drive. he's a he's the expert driver and you know the rock is just big and punches stuff but uh he drives this really sweet car there's a really cool ch- c- chasing in london uh using the it's like the exotic cars exotic car i don't even want, know what it is because it's not like a ferrari or Lamborghini. mostly mclarens <laughs> yeah yeah um i forgot how where we even got here sorry <laughs>
0: right 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 yeah I, I lost my i blacked out for a second ran it in I- uh, I, I I I think yeah, and it's worth mentioning these guys' characters, right? That's part of what made it so fun is watching these two bounce off each other and just slinging insults back and forth that four writers put, five writers, sorry, put together, um, which was enjoyable. It's worth mentioning it's partly written by Drew, uh, uh, da- David. Okay, never mind, that wasn't going anywhere. I was gonna say it's directed by David Leach, the director of Deadpool two, so you can expect a lot of snappy dialogue coming out of it and the way it's shot and cut, and it, it's definitely effective. But ultimately, like. Hobbs and Shaw outside of the action and and the being mean to each other like I really could care less about their characters there's this whole thing about family with with Hobbs's character Dwayne Johnson which which I totally could have left from the table and Jason Satham kind of has it too which also doesn't need to be in the movie like it just kind of slows down the action and I could I you know yeah the whole
1: the whole Fast and Furious thing being about family uh, is just, it's so bizarre. And that, that was my impression of Vin Diesel. Cause he's family that's, he just kind of groans that through all 10 movies or whatever.
0: Well, the two the two that you've seen yes <laughs> yeah. well and
1: since then, it's become it's become a kind of a caricature of episode and finally there is a, there is a scene that's a nod to like the first two films when you see like people hitting the nos and, and oh God. you see the, yeah. the, the camera going into into the engine and it's like okay this is the the two seconds of film that that related to the whole franchise
0: yeah seriously there's there's two or three car chases in this movie and yeah the the the, the nos, at the end was definitely like, a, again, audible laugh in the theater for me. It's like so absurd. And i really like, I think that that summarizes this movie the best. Exactly. what You just said it is like a caricature of a film. It really is. It's exaggerated and it's overcooked and it's probably too much. Um, but if that's what you're looking for in like a summer blockbuster, like, I, I'm not, I'm not sure you can do better. If you, if you, if you like Michael Bay's Transformers, you'll probably love this movie. Right. Yeah. So, should we move on to recommendations, I think?
1: Yeah. Andy, would you recommend Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw? Uh, Yes, with uh, some caveats. Um, So, it definitely succeeds as an action vehicle, and it has just enough plot to kind of glue it together. And that's what you want out of a film like this. If you're not going to go heavy on story and characters, then the visuals need to really be entertaining, and it succeeds on that. Uh, The Rock and Jason Statham are very charismatic vanessa kirby is great she has way more agency than in uh mission impossible that from last year although there are other kind of female stars in that that film uh but it is not a deep film it is not you don't have complex characters or complex issues or anything like that it is simply a successful action vehicle so if that's what you're in the mood for you're gonna like it I'm in
0: the same boat. If you need something to go see with your friends, just like you see all the other Fast and Furious films, right? Or you're looking for something to take the kids to that you're okay with a little bit of profanity uh, throughout it, it's totally up your alley. Uh, if you're looking for anything more robust, probably skip it. But that being said, like if you want to see an action movie that does a whole lot of action in a big blockbuster fashion, this is the one to see. I, I, if I had a top 10 action films of the year, this would probably be up towards the top. Like, it, it is really good action for what it's worth. The plot's forgettable, but the performances are fun. Uh, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. I guess I'd recommend it. I guess, uh, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. to, to to certain <laughs> yeah, audience.
1: And, what the, and the difference, like I said, to um, someone like Michael Bay, like Michael Bay, I would not want to take 13-year-olds to see it, particularly if you had, like, girls, um, because his movies are... Per, really pretty sexist and paint women in pretty negative light, um, or objective light. And this is, we get the opposite of that. We don't have any of that. We have a really kick-ass main female character, and you know, you have, yeah, you have some swears and you have violence, but you don't have any of this like weird sexuality that Michael Bay always wanted to put in his movies.
0: <laughs> yeah, Yeah, Megan Fox, of course. No, agreed. Yeah, you totally don't have that, and I was really into that um so we should talk about our next segment we're gonna go over some trailers that have come out and and i'm gonna be honest sometimes we do the trailer park it's a little lukewarm uh this week i'm very excited to talk about these i think they're all tremendous uh Mm -hmm. andy you want to do you want to do the honors get us started here yeah we're gonna start with the lighthouse A timberman want with being a wiki. Just looking to earn a living, just like any man. Starting new. On the run. Uh
1: so it the lighthouse is the new horror film by Robert Eggers, who did uh The Witch back from I can't remember, late 2014 or so. Um that that's an incredible horror film and so what we get is this movie the lighthouse which we don't really know much at. the trailer shows uh, robert pattinson going to work with uh willem defoe at this lighthouse and it's in black and white it's got this ratio that's almost looks like a square um everything is dark everything's real creepy it looks like a movie from the 30s and 40s um, it's very mysterious. We don't get a whole lot of plot. They just, there. Uh, Robert Pattinson is there to to just work and earn a living, and Willem Dafoe's there to just be old and creepy. <laughs> I, I I can't tell you what this film is gonna be about, but it looks amazing um, as a horror feature because it looks cramped. It's dark. It's got. Uh, I mean, you can't hardly make anything out, and it and it just. I, I don't know what it's gonna be about, but it looks like uh, either people are losing their mind, or someone's on the run, or I don't know. Uh, Zach, what do you think?
0: Man, I'm in so much trouble with this movie. Like, I'm almost guaranteed to be disappointed because I'm so overhyped. Oh, I'm so hyped about this movie. <laughs> oh, it looks so good. It, it checks every box for me. Creepy horror cool way it's shot, brilliant cinematography, looks like fantastic performances, a fantastic track record from the director who put it out, and currently, it's got a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes based on 52 reviews, it is glowing for everybody that has seen it, it looks so neat, man, I want to know how it was made, right now, I know very little, uh, all I really know about it is that they actually use lenses these old Paramount lenses from 19 from the 1930s and figured out a way to mount them to cameras to shoot on film to make this stuff like they tried to make it as authentically old school as possible it's in this weird aspect ratio that I thought was four by three but it's even thinner than that like oh dude I'm stoked to see this movie I want to go see it at an art house theater I want to (laughs) go see it like the Texas theater would be a great place to see this movie like oh man Oh, I'm stoked! I, like I'm, I'm gonna be disappointed. It's gonna be too much for me.
1: That's, <laughs> yeah, that's I, what I'm realizing. I'm totally stoked about it too. It, it, it looks really creepy. It has, I mean, Willem Dafoe de, de, delivers some great dialogue that you can hear in here in the trailer. Um, and again, so much, I've read that so much thought has been put into just something as simple as or basic as the aspect ratio. You know, they thought about all these lenses. I think they actually had some lenses. Uh, remanufactured um so they could get just this gritty dark old look and um and and i'm interested to see what kind of story this is going to tell um and he did the same thing with the witch the witch is also filmed in a very different ratio which i can't remember at this time but it's very tall looking
0: and i'm i'm man i'm a sucker for black and white films too i guess that's my film school background but like I, I love black and white movies and this one just looks tremendous it'll probably yeah, I'll probably go see it and it'll be some weird mind trip that's 90 minutes long or something and I'll walk out like that was it I was so excited for that but like oh dude oh it looks cool I hope I hope it lives up to the hype I really do mm-hmm. uh, our next trailer actually rolled in front of Hobbs and Shaw this was one of the ones that I thought was really impeccable uh, the film is 1917 no, no, no. If you fail It will be a massacre So this is the new Sam Mendes film who previously directed Skyfall. He's been kind of working on this one a little bit in secret. Like he, he announced that he's working on a movie called 1917, but nobody really knew what it was about. Uh, here's the quick summary. At the height of the First World War, two young British soldiers are tasked with making it across a very vicious battlefield to deliver a message and save the lives of something like 1600 soldiers on their side, along with one of their, one of their, uh, brothers. Um, so it is a very big task. It's almost like the last 20 minutes of the Mel Gibson film Gallipoli, but drawn out over a whole movie. And I'm so into it, man. I love movies that don't just say, Oh, the, the world is at war and we have to deal with it. It's hyper-focused. And I yeah. think it's super cool. It's got these really dynamic Sam Mendes colors. It looks
1: fantastic. Uh, I, I'm I'm really excited to see this movie. What do you think, Andy? Um, it reminded me a lot of um, Dunkirk, which you still haven't seen. I, honestly,
0: years. I have the Blu-ray still in the plastic. My God, how have I not seen that film? Yeah, yet? it
1: has a lot of that same vibe of feeling very authentic. Of like, you know bombs and explosions going off and uh you know the plot is this the main character i don't don't know who it is but he basically has to run a message from point a to point b and not get killed along the way otherwise there's going to be a slaughter to the you know their battalion that needs to to hear it um it looks incredibly tense and incredibly real and it's amazing the amount of world war one films that have not been made and it seems like we've kind of had a resurgence of of interest in that conflict which was arguably bigger and more definable that than world war ii
0: yeah i think world war ii is just a little bit more accessible because the technologies of hair closer to what we know today right world war one's right. a little bit more foreign because it's further and they're unfortunately there there seem to be less casualties in world war one i think total so it's not quite as enticing as a story but like well and there was also
1: very little american involvement in world war one up up until the end
0: yeah but there's certainly no shortage of compelling tales to tell and again I, i love that this one's hyper focused it seems very particular it's not about the world at war it's about I, th- I think the line in the line in the trailer is "the enemy is time," and I love that. Uh-huh. Uh, and 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 I'm excited to see it. I I hope it lives up again to the hype that it probably won't, and I'll ultimately be disappointed because of my own expectations. What's next, Andy? The Irishman. Hello.
1: So this is a movie that's been talked about for. A- Quite a while. It's hey, produced by Netflix, friend. and it is Martin Scorsese's new film. It's uh, it looks reminds me a lot of oh, what's the, not Good Old Boys. What's Goodfellas? <laughs> Goodfellas. Good Old Boys Good fellas. Boys. It's 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 a it's another mobster film, and it's bringing together a great cast of Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, and man, I'm blanking on people today. Who's the other Al Pacino? I couldn't remember him last week either. Uh, so it's it's bringing them in again in what looks to be another gangster drama having to do with a, a hitman, and uh, Al Pacino plays Jimmy Hoffa. So the, you know this is taking place in the 1960s, has and will deal with uh, Jimmy Hoffa was of course the leader of the Teamsters Union who was mysteriously who mysteriously disappeared or was mysteriously killed. Um, and so th- this is their next big deal. It's supposed to be very long. And this is Netflix again pushing to win an Oscar.
0: Yeah, I'm, man, I'm I'm excited about this one, and I'm also a little a little wary. Um, The things that excite me are very simple. One, it's a new Martin Scorsese film, and Martin Scorsese does gangsters fantastic, and he knows this cast great too. I'm excited to see Joe Pesci. I mean, he came out of unofficial retirement for this movie, and just looking at the trailer, I'm like, he looks like it already looks like he's gonna be my favorite part. Like, I I think that (laughs) guy's rad. Um, so I think that'll be really neat. And three, I'm excited to see another big film come to Netflix, man. Like, I, for yeah. all the hate, for all the hate, like, I'm, I'm <laughs> excited to see it. Uh, so I hope it's really compelling. But the things that concern me are, one, it's a film coming to Netflix. And the track record with original films on Netflix is not complicitly outstanding. So I hope that's cool. And two, uh, the de-aging stuff. Uh, it looks yeah. pretty good. It looks pretty good. But I, at the end of this trailer, you get a good look at uh, De Niro's face, and I, I audibly laughed. Uh, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, oh. I, th- I yeah. feel like
1: de-aging is like the 3D of this era. You know, For a while, it was everyone wanted to make a 3D movie just because, and now everyone wants to show off their de-aging technology, which sometimes works, most of the time doesn't.
0: You gotta have big budgets, man. Big budgets. But it looks like this movie kind of jumps through time a little bit, so the de-aging isn't always... It's not, It's not like, binary. It's not either this is wet back then versus now. It seems to kind of, like Goodfellas, move through time. So I think it'll get more convincing as you watch. It shouldn't be too bad.
1: Mm-hmm. And ultimately,
0: like, I don't think the Uncanny Valley will harm the experience. Um, I'm excited. I, I, You know, I hope it's good. Uh, I know Scorsese's last film was Silence. That was met with mixed reviews. But... Right. I'm into it again. I, I, a startlingly solid trailer park for me this week. I, I think it looks pretty good.
1: Yeah, the just the last thing about the the Irishman, it, um, yeah, it looks like the classic gangster film, which we haven't gotten in a really long time. Um, but, but what what I love about them, especially with Scorsese behind the helm, is that his movies are always about other things. You know, they have very deep meanings and complex characters, and so that's what I'm mostly excited about. Is what will this film be about? beyond the story
0: i agree and with that we should move on to our final film Uh, i'm going to be taking the summary on this so excuse me if it's a little clumsy uh but i think i'll get through it okay the film is netflix's the red sea diving resort just for the record there's not one person in this group that i've chosen for this type of mission you're all too reckless So like I said, the Red Sea Diving Resort stars Chris Evans as our lead character, Ari Levinson, who is essentially an undercover spy in 1979 through the early 1980s who's working to save uh, Jewish Ethiopians in Ethiopia from their war-torn country. Uh, he does this by recruiting a gang of fellow secret agents and assassins to open up a red, a, a diving resort as a front to evacuate Ethiopians from their country. Uh, It's based on a true story from the early 1980s when a group of assassins, essentially uh, opened up a a Sudan Red Sea resort was the name of it to do exactly that, to, to slowly extract uh, Ethiopians uh, to the safety of Jerusalem. It's, it's it's a film, man. Uh, and I haven't talked to Andy about how he feels about it. So before I get too far down, down the hole here, Andy, what did you think of the Red Sea Diving Resort?
1: So uh, Chris Nolan can sum this up for me. So in, in the story about his trailer, he dropped this quote that says, because uh, Chris Nolan does not work with any of the streaming services. And he said, you know, growing up as a director, your biggest fear was going straight to DVD, going straight to TV. And that's what streaming is. And this is an example of that kind of movie that's going straight to DVD. Um, there's some things that work. The production value is where all the money is spent. I mean, they've, they're they are dropping some fat coin on the production. <laughs> <laughs> they, however, they they are not they are not uh, spending investing in the writing at all and that's where this movie really suffers because this is a very dramatic thing i mean you're talking about life and death kind of schindler's list style or hotel rwanda kind of we have to to rescue these people we have to put ourselves in danger them in danger um and if we're found out we could be killed it's that level of drama but somehow it manages to be really not not suspenseful not particularly interesting and you know one kind of uh comment i saw is this, it kind of looks like a caper like a ocean's 11 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and not life and death
0: yeah yeah big time uh yeah, that was kind of my first thought of this movie this movie's kind of tone deaf it can't decide whether or not it's a religious uh, experience something like hotel rwanda where it's like really the story of people who are being persecuted for their religious beliefs and how uh, through that they overcome, right, through hope and, and, and they, they, they can rally and overcome adversity through change and, and hard work and dedication. Or if it's, yeah, like Ocean's Eleven, like a goofy off-the-wall comedy with a cast of, of six or seven people who are charming and affable um, but ultimately have to work a little harder than normal to, to pull off the heist. Um, it's really, yeah, it's really odd that way. And, and right in the middle of all of this, is Chris Evans uh, as the main character, um, along with a cast of, of, of some other interesting people. It's worth mentioning, uh, Andy and I didn't know this, Alessandro Nivola is in this film, who is our favorite man from the art of self-defense uh, two weeks ago. He's in this movie as as Chris Evans' kind of sidekick, friend, frenemy guy. Yeah. Uh, ben Kingsley is in this film, Academy Award winner. Greg Kinnear is in this uh, as himself. Um, Not really himself, but Michael K. Williams is a main character in this film. Uh, Really surprising, the cast in this movie. I I did not expect the faces that came across the screen.
1: Yeah, so um, let's talk about that a little bit. This goes in the positive thing. Incredible cast. Uh, All wasted, though. (laughs) It's... uh, (laughs) <laughs> um, sorry, Chris Evans is still playing Captain America. Like he, he has yes. a lot of those Captain America like platitudes of like we don't leave anyone be- behind and we, we stay stayed till the job's done. I mean, it's like if if I tell you does this come from Avengers or Red Sea Diving Resort, you couldn't tell because uh, it sounds like the same character. And you know, one of the things it does kind of fall into that white savior complex of a film because you have an American playing uh, an Israeli saving black Jews in Ethiopia in the, in the 70s and and again, like it, it just doesn't seem very serious. You never feel like people are in in that much danger and they absolutely were.
0: Yeah, I, I, I felt the exact same way. I, I Honestly, about halfway through this movie, I wondered if Netflix bought the rights to this film because they saw an early cut or something and they were like, oh my God, we can totally market this on Chris Evans plays Captain America in. Like, that's exactly what it feels like, uh, which mm. is crazy to me. And the rest of the cast is just totally, like, not not really visible, which is surprising. Uh, I, I don't know... Watching the trailer for it over again, like I, I it seems like they didn't really know what direction to advertise this on either. Like, do we... Make this kind of a a goofy caper, or is it like a serious film? And it really just lands right in the middle and doesn't please either master, you know. And that yeah. hurts it.
1: Yeah. The um, yeah, like the beginning is almost like a, a heist film, like you said, because uh, he's got to gather the team and he's got to kind of convince everyone, and that that doesn't really take too much arm twisting. Um, and then the rest of the team doesn't really do much uh you see that they're all different i guess spies from different agencies um but like you have the one guy who's who's like a sniper he never shoots anyone like he, you right. see you see him in the beginning like you know assassinate someone or something and then after that he never shoot picks up a gun for the rest of the so it's like why is he even here <laughs> he's just having a beach uh you know cuz at least uh, what, Andres, alessandro navola's character is a, a is a doctor a field doctor and that's why he's there you know for for medical us help if they need it, but then the rest of them, uh, it's never explained yeah. why, what they really do.
0: Right, and like the other, the other people are aren't exactly nobodies. I mean, you, you may not know them when I say them, but here, uh, for example, one of the one of the people in the group is Haley Bennett. She was in the Girl on the Train and the Magnificent Seven. Those aren't nothing movies. Those movies made money. Michael Heisman is in this movie. He was he was in two seasons of Game of Thrones as a relatively like B plot character, you know, and and he's just kind of in it. It's like it's so odd. They spent money on casting and. They really should have spent more money on writing because mm-hmm. ultimately it just feels like it can't get in either direction. It'll cut from yeah, that 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 classic heist film montage of like getting the crew together to like a very serious conversation in Ethiopia with a bunch of refugees who are starving in a refugee camp. Like it's it's really odd and and Chris Evans it, it also while I'm at it, it never really nails the religious stuff. Like it kind of does, but it ultimately doesn't. It doesn't seem to offer a lot of good reasoning behind why characters do what they do. Towards the end of the movie, uh, Michael Kenneth Williams' character, who's kind of the leader of the refugees, um, is injured, and he says, "He's like, well, I'm I'm gonna stay here and fight," and everybody else is just like, "Dude, dude, you you're like gonna die," and he's like, <laughs> "But but religion," and they're just like, "No, like that's not how it works. <laughs> like, you can't, you know, like it doesn't really offer good motivation." for most of the characters. And it seems like our main character, Chris Evans, who is Ari Levinson, who wears a a Jewish star around his neck, the whole movie, like never really cares either. It's never really about that. It's just kind of about him. And like, it couldn't, I don't know. It couldn't seem to decide what was, what the plot was.
1: Right. And you're exactly right. And it reminded me a lot of Steven Spielberg's Munich, which is this not, not similar in, in that film, it's Masada agents um, kind of hunting down um, terrorists but that movie very much captures, first of all, the seriousness of Mossad. And by the way, if you don't know or haven't read about the Mossad is the uh, the Israeli secret service, or it's like their CIA. Um, but they are brutal and they are ruthless. Like they, I mean, the CIA operates without rules, but they're on an, another level. Like they do like proactive assassinations. Like if you read about stuff, it, it's wild, and you see that in the, in the film Munich. Uh, but also it's very much it's not just their job it's about pre- self-preservation of like their people of their dynasty of of their culture and heritage it, it's the the suffering of the jewish people is very much uh, a central theme of that movie and it like you said it just goes out the window completely out the window in <laughs> yeah. in this it's like it's like an afterthought
0: yeah uh, variety described this film as playing to the white savior complex to shameful extremes And the problem is like, I would agree if it ever really bothered to act like Chris Evans is any kind of, I mean, I guess he is a white savior, but ultimately again, it's kind of a selfish story about him. I mean, there's there's this whole subplot about his wife who's left him and he's kind of this mysterious and I'm just like, well, yeah, but there's also this thing with,
1: he's like, I know you're, you're, you're having genocide, I know you're uh, having genocide, but like I'm having family problems right now.
0: I'm talking. I'm talking in circles about this, so we can we can move on from it. Uh, Something that did surprise me was the soundtrack. Uh, A couple of decent tracks in there, licensed stuff, which was surprising. This movie's made by Fox Searchlight, so I guess they had the money before Disney bought them. But um, that was charming. The way it was shot was pretty good, although it wasn't exactly location heavy. A lot of it's like at night, you can't really see what's going on. So,
1: Mm -hmm. but But it was made on the cheap, you know. Yeah, but they they still you know there's lots of like vehicles like trucks planes boats like they definitely were putting you know a decent amount of money behind it um but then like you said not behind the writing now this is everything that's not like filmed at the resort looks like it is in a studio though like all that like the command center and like the, the ship stuff all looks like it's yeah in a in a studio
0: i mean arguably even the interiors of the resort look like they're in a studio it's very very simply made that way um but uh, we should probably move on to whether or not this film is worth anybody's time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure I have much more to say about. It. I don't. I don't know if you do, but I. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I, I, okay, <laughs> Andy, would you recommend the Red Sea Diving Resort?
1: Um, no, nah, it's it's more of a of a pass. Again, if if you're if it's on Netflix, you can find other stuff uh, to watch. It's it's way too long. It's like a little. It's a little over two hours, um, and it's missing. It's it doesn't have anything that's real appealing. It's missing the drama and the gravity of the situation, which is all there. I mean, you literally had to take it out to make it this. Somehow they made this boring movie. Um, and so it's not particularly about anything. Like I said, it does fall into that white savior complex. And it's there's more interesting movies. Like I said, I was reminded of Munich. Go see Munich or go see Argo. Go see much better made films about these same subjects.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I think I think your line at the beginning from Christopher Nolan about how this is like Netflix films are like direct-to-video films. That's exactly what this feels like. Like it's it's not terrible, but it's not great. And there's a reason it's getting hammered on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it's definitely divisive in its presentation. As far as the white savior complex, it arguably cements Chris Evans is his in his role as like the new Harrison Ford. In that like, no matter the plot we will go see it because he's charming <laughs> and funny and he kind of just can be he be just be chris evans in anything right like he feels like captain america and if you're looking for a bridge between uh your your chris evans captain america gap where you just can't get enough of him playing captain america you can watch this and just like ignore the parts where they call him anything other than captain america and it works because it's practically yeah. a captain america film um I I thought it was mediocre at best I would say otherwise totally skip it. <laughs> yeah yeah. Don't waste your time much better things to watch on Netflix. And with that, uh, we should wrap up the show. We're going to take next week off, but the week after, we're going to watch two movies that we're pretty excited to see. We were talking about them before the show. We're going to check out Blinded by the Light. It's that new movie starring a whole lot of Bruce Springsteen music in a uh, culturally Middle Eastern setting, I think is the best way to say that in my head. Uh, We're also going to check out Richard Linklater's new film, Where'd You Go? Bernadette, starring Kate Blanchett. Uh, I'm excited about both of those I think I hope they're as good As I'm hoping they will be But I'm certainly not overhyped
1: Yeah, August is always uh, Hit and miss You know, because it's coming off The blockbusters of June and July And it's kind of getting ready You know, people are going back to school So I feel like big August films Are just never really pushed
0: yeah, I feel the same way. So, next week off, week after, we'll be back with those movies. Check them out if you can swing it. And if you have any hot takes on The Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs & Shaw or the Red Sea Diving Resort, let us know at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com. We read our correspondence on the show when we get it. We've been a little light lately, and we could appreciate the help. Check out our website, offscriptfilmreview.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're even over on the Twitter if you're big into tweeting. So hit us up over there. And if you can do anything for the show, throw us a rating and review. Five stars. Tip your waiter and uh, your podcast hosts as well, right? It's good podcast etiquette, I think, to rate and review. So uh, let us know what you think of the show over there. It would help us out tremendously. From all of us at Script, the home of Bold Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for listening.